Here's what I remember from playing against one of the Manning brothers. It was October 2005 at Giant Stadium. Nearly 80,000 fans in the crowd. As a rookie defender for the Denver Broncos, I was confident, bordering on arrogant. We had just beaten the defending Super Bowl champions, the New England Patriots, the week before. So surely, second-year quarterback Eli Manning and the New York Giants would be no trouble for us. And they weren't. For three quarters. But in the fourth, Eli gave us and the football world a glimpse of the late-game Manning magic he and his brother share. For most of that game, I was covering wide receiver Amani Toomer. For three quarters, I held him to just two catches. But at the end of the game, he had one final catch. It was a play I'll never forget. With time running out, we were up 23-17. to 17. But then, Eli led the Giants down to our goal line. With only 10 seconds left in the game, Eli snapped the ball and Toomer ran a shallow crossing route in the end zone. I thought I had Toomer covered. Eli dropped deeper and deeper, buying time for someone, anyone, to get open. And then, in an instant, Eli threw the ball high. Toomer jumped up above me and caught it for the game-tying touchdown. The Giants kicked for the extra point, and it was over. I'm just one of the many professional football players who know what it's like to lose to a Manning brother, be it Eli or his older brother Peyton. But before they won Super Bowls, before they made Pro Bowls, before the name Manning was synonymous with victory, they both had to learn what it meant to lose, and lose big. From Gatorade and Gimlet Creative, this is The Secret to Victory. A branded podcast about how the best athletes in the world are shaped, not by their victories, but by their defeats. I'm Dominique Foxworth. I've played seven years in the NFL and now I write for ESPN. Over the years, I've spent a lot of time thinking about winning, but I've spent just as much time thinking about losing and how to deal with it. This podcast is all about that, how athletes work through their biggest setbacks. Today's episode, Peyton and Eli Manning. Two brothers. That's the 28th pick of a Peyton Manning pass this season. Two teams. A day to forget for Eli Manning and the Giants offense. Drafted six years apart, but both brothers struggled through rough rookie seasons. On today's episode, we go back to Peyton and Eli's rookie season to tell the stories of some of their worst games, their lowest moments, and how those moments made them into the players they are today. We start with Peyton. The Indianapolis Colts select quarterback, University of Tennessee, Peyton Manning. In 1998, Peyton Manning was one of the most anticipated NFL quarterback prospects in years. Everyone knew it. Up until this point, all he did was win. I think I lost six games in my high school and college career combined. One headline read, Peyton Manning is on the fast track to stardom. Another read simply, Indianapolis is now Peyton's place. And so heading into his first professional game, 
expectations couldn't be much higher. Yeah, and the Colts are obviously hoping that this is just the beginning of something very special. Absolutely, Ian. And Peyton Manning was a quarterback that was bred to be a quarterback and born just for this moment. Peyton's first NFL game was on September 6, 1998. The Colts were hosting the Miami Dolphins in Indianapolis. The RCA Dome was sold out for the first time in nearly a decade. But right from the start, things were not going well. In the first half, Manning completed only six passes for 85 yards. He was sacked twice and threw an interception. All the Colts could manage was a single field goal. Indianapolis was down 17-3 at halftime, and then down 17-9 with less than two minutes remaining. That's when this happened. Manning putting it in the air, and it's It was hard, and that was his first game, and, you know, he wanted him to get off a good start, playing a real good team, Dolphins. This is Archie Manning, Peyton's dad. Archie was a quarterback in the NFL for 13 seasons. He was also in the stands for this, Peyton's first game. I know what it's like. I know what it's like when it's a struggle out there, when you're not able to make the plays you want to make. In Peyton's first game, uh, the cameras caught you wincing after one of his passes. Yeah. Big mistake. Big mistake. Archie's had that look for a good portion of the afternoon. The camera broadcasts Archie on TV to everyone watching at home. He looks distraught, almost like he might cry. He's just watched his son fail in front of millions. Eli sits next to his dad. He's on the edge of his seat. Archie still thinks about that grimace and how it felt for Peyton to see it once the game was over. You know, he he was hurt after that game. You know, he's hurt that they lost and he didn't play as well as he wanted to. And then, then he sees me. You know, he doesn't need me to add on to that. And that, that gave me guilt. That gave me guilt. The Colts lost that game 24-15. Peyton threw just a single touchdown and three interceptions. His quarterback rating was an abysmal 58.6, one of the worst games he'd ever played in his life. So three interceptions against the Dolphins in my very first game. Uh, so it was tough. There were times when I wouldn't have minded if the coach would have taken me out because the game is well, well over and you're trying to avoid kind of throwing number four and number five. And the best way to do that is to probably be on the sidelines. And my coach, Jim Mora, who was a, a tough guy, but uh, had great respect for him. And he said, no, you stay in there and you keep competing. The game's never over. I didn't expect miracles. That's Jim Mora, former head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Were you at all worried about starting a rookie quarterback in your first no. season? No, I wasn't worried at all. In his first game against the Dolphins, he threw uh, three interceptions. Uh, and you left him in there. Why? Why not? <laughs> I'm not going to pull him just because he threw three interceptions. He's a rookie quarterback. I knew he was going to make mistakes. Those mistakes kept coming throughout the season. Peyton threw 18 interceptions in his first nine games. And of those nine games, he lost eight of them. What was the low point in that season? The low point, maybe the last game of the season. This was against the Carolina Panthers. With three minutes to go in the game, the Colts were down by eight, but they had the ball and were driving. 
Peyton dropped back to pass but couldn't find an open receiver. To avoid getting sacked, he let the ball fly. I was actually trying to throw the ball away. Manning to the air. Intercepted. The 27th pick of Peyton Manning this season threw it directly to Eric Davis. I didn't throw it high enough, and the defensive back intercepted it. That was a low point. <laughs> it's, it sounds like it's, it's fresh in your mind, like it, like it just happened. <laughs> That's never happened to me before. I, I, I was trying to actually do something smart. I set the NFL rookie record for interceptions, a record that I still hold today. <laughs> Quite proud of that one. Really want to get that one off my resume. I pull for these rookies every year to break that record. Actually, Peyton set two records that year. He set the record for interceptions by a rookie, but he also set the rookie record for touchdowns thrown. That's because Coach Moore kept him in the games no matter what, letting him play, letting him fail, and letting him learn. I wasn't going to pull him. I told him at the beginning of the season, I said, I don't care what you do. You're our guy. You're going to be our guy all year. And he started every game. I stayed in there and threw a couple of touchdowns late, which, you know, the experts might call it a meaningless touchdown. But the truth, it wasn't meaningless. It actually meant something. It It sure was better than throwing another interception or just going out and handing off and kind of giving up. You hear the term, you know, gun shy, if you will, or hey, uh, hey, he's afraid to throw it, and he'll take the sack, and he'll throw it out of bounds. That was not me that year. I kept firing. Now, I probably should have been a little uh, more shy at times and should have thrown it away, but I did keep firing, so I I could look myself in the mirror that season saying I I really was trying and competing. I was getting better that season by staying in there. He didn't like throwing interceptions, but he rallied from them, and he learned from them, and uh, he became a better quarterback because of the fact that he was able to uh, have that kind of an experience a- as a rookie and being a starter. It-, it made his development happen a lot quicker than it would have him sitting on the bench. The next year, Peyton Manning flipped the script completely, taking the Colts from a 3-13 and record to a 13-3 and record and first place in the AFC East. Peyton's younger brother, Eli, the transition to pro quarterback wasn't any easier. He'd watched Peyton play his whole life. But there are some lessons you have to learn for yourself. In 2004, he was drafted as the first overall pick and wound up with the New York Giants. But unlike Peyton, Eli wouldn't start on day one. The Giants had a veteran quarterback with two Super Bowls to his name, Kurt Warner. Here's Eli. My rookie season, the first uh, nine games, and I didn't, I didn't play much. Kurt Warner was the starting quarterback, and I was... Uh, you know, back up and trying to take, you know, mental reps and trying to learn as much as I could from, from Kurt. Eli sat on the bench for the first half of the season. And in that time, the Giants went 5-3, and three, playing better than most people expected. But in the ninth game, things fell apart. The team lost their second game in a row. And that's when head coach Tom Coughlin pulled Kurt Warner. Here's Coughlin. We lost a, a game in Arizona. Uh, you know, I thought that the performance was not where we wanted it to be, that it was not a continual upward-bound type of a performance. I felt that it was time for Eli to be inserted into the lineup, so I brought him in and I told him that he was going to start. The Eli Manning era began the next week against the Atlanta Falcons. Eli played the whole game but completed just 17 of 37 passes and threw two interceptions. The Giants lost 14-10. to 
The New York City press was not kind to the highly touted Manning brother. The headline in the New York Post was Wizkid, a reference to Manning's struggles in the Giants' now three-game losing streak. The next game, the Giants lost to Philadelphia. Then they lost to Washington. Things reached a fever pitch in Eli's fourth game against the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens' defense included future Hall of Famers Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. And they came after Eli from the opening possession. Eli looking for just a completion. Down he goes. They threw the kitchen sink at him. He wasn't comfortable with it. So many different types of blitzes, so many different things going on. Manning in trouble, and he throws it away. It's ugly and it's hard right now for Eli Manning and the Giants. I mean, it, it doesn't get any worse than this. I mean, that's purple rain right there. You know, tip balls, you know, three and outs, all of those kind of things. From the Ravens, 36. Manning with only one completion today and has had three passes tipped at the line. I couldn't watch. Archie Manning, Eli and Peyton's dad, had the game on at home. I told I told Larry, I said, I'm going to go upstairs and lie down. I just went upstairs and laid down. I didn't watch it. They couldn't, couldn't move the ball a lick. Eli completed four of 18 passes during the game. The Ravens deflected five of his passes. He was sacked twice and knocked down two more times. Midway through the fourth quarter, Tom Coughlin pulled his rookie quarterback, returning to Kurt Warner. And Kurt Warner will come in at quarterback for the first time since he was replaced by Eli Manning. And there are Manning's final numbers for today. You know, regardless who's in there, nobody's responding to Eli as the quarterback. After the game, Eli knew he wasn't playing well. The Giants were 5-8, and eight, and Manning had lost his first four as the NFL starter. On the train ride from Baltimore back to New York, he decided it was time to say something, to take control of the situation. So he'd huddled with the Giants' offensive coaches. Yeah, I remember you know, going on that train ride and sitting with our offensive coordinator and sitting with the quarterback coach and saying, we're running plays that Kurt was comfortable with. I need to kind of run the plays that I've, I've run the most so far. And I know if you call these plays, I, I can get a completion. These are the plays I was running in, in training camp, the stuff that I was most familiar with and I've gotten the most reps at. He would come to me, he would sit in my office, he'd say, Coach, I know I can do this. I know I can be great as a giant quarterback. You know, I know the games haven't been very good to this point, but uh, I believe they're, they're going to get better. I use that, that toughest moment, my worst game, as, a, as an opportunity to show my voice and saying, if it's going to get better, it's got to be because I'm doing things that I'm comfortable with. Eli's worst game told him to ask for what he needed from his team and his coaches to turn the season around. And Coach Tom Coughlin and his staff listened. They changed the play calling to fit his skills. And once they did, the Giants' offense improved dramatically. In Eli's first four games, the Giants had scored an average of only nine points a game. And in the three remaining games, they scored 27 points a game. More than a decade and two Super Bowl wins later, Eli can look back on his rookie season, especially that game against the Ravens, and laugh with his brother. Uh, you know, I had a, a zero quarterback rating, which is, it's tough to do. It's hard to do. It's hard. It's, it's hard, hard to do. Yeah, you try. You got to really work at it. Really I mean, uh, I didn't, you know, uh, I didn't have three interceptions, but I didn't have many completions. <laughs> I, only threw, I only threw two interceptions, but I think I was like four of 19. And so it if was. If you on three interceptions, you wouldn't have had the zero quarterback rating. <laughs> Maybe. It might have helped. helped <laughs> Maybe. <Weird system>. <laughs> <laughs> Today, fans know these brothers because they're winners. Bred to be quarterbacks born to play football. But what's often overlooked 
are all the losses they've suffered to get there. Peyton and Eli's coaches put them in those games and left them in those games. They let them make mistakes, throw interceptions, take sacks, over and over in front of millions of people. Because oftentimes, the best way to invest in the future is to allow room for failure. Until you understand yourself and your abilities better. Until you're humble. I think when you have immediate success as a rookie that you might possibly take winning for granted and you think, hey, this is not that hard. This is how it's, it's always been and, you know, the NFL's not that hard. I learned early never to take winning for granted because, as I say, winning a game in the NFL is hard. Okay, now win enough to get into the playoffs. Okay, now get in the playoffs and go win four more. And unlike basketball or baseball, you have one shot in those playoffs. So just to win a game is tough. And when you lose, it really enforces not to take winning for granted. And you learn a lot about yourself when you lose games. Thanks for listening to the first episode of The Secret to Victory, a branded podcast from Gatorade and Gimlet Creative. The Manning brothers are just two of the athletes we'll be speaking with this season. We've also got Serena Williams on the U.S. Open loss that dethroned her number one world ranking. Quarterback Matt Ryan on the Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl defeat to the New England Patriots. And next week, when you take a perfect season and blow it all in one game. NBA star Carl Anthony Towns on what he learned from his most devastating loss. We realized that we were never going to be together again. You know, the players that you're looking at right now, 38 straight wins in a row with, uh, we're not going to be with you anymore. That's next week on The Secret to Victory. The Secret to Victory was produced by Abby Ruzica and edited by Eric Mennel. Research and additional editing by Noah Davis. Jorge Estrada is our associate producer. Creative direction by Nazanin Rafsanjani. This episode was mixed by Sam Baer, sound design by Bobby Lord, music by Dan Brunel, and music direction by Matt Boll, technical direction by Zach Schmidt. The Gimlet creative production team includes Caitlin Boguki, Julia Botero, Francis Harlow, and Nicole Wong. Special thanks to Caitlin Delana, Molly Haran, Oscar Zabayos, Gatorade, and OMD. Subscribe to The Secret to Victory on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And while you're there, please leave us a review and tell us what you think. It helps others discover our show. Learn more at Gatorade.com slash podcasts. I'm Dominique Foxworth. Thanks for listening. <laughs>